Today on the Cultivate Church Planning Podcast, I'm joined by my friend Sonia Peacock. Sonia is a widow with an amazing and heartbreaking story of grief, loss, and God's redemptive power. Sonia shares about the need to plant churches with a priority of ministering to those who are experiencing grief and loss. I have to say that this is one of the more convicting and powerful episodes that I've recorded, and I know you'll be blessed as we discuss the importance of prioritizing people in pain. The Cultivate Church Planning Podcast is part of CGN Media, a podcast network that points to Christ. Check out cgnmedia.org for more great shows and ways to support the ministry. Okay, welcome to the Cultivate Church Planning Podcast. <laughs> Should I sing the song? Yeah, can you please? Cultivate, it's not a cult with Brian <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> there you All go. Right. I love it. Thank you. I'm right, reserved. Yes. <sighs> okay, I'm here with Sonia Peacock, and she's here to talk about her story and to tell us as church planters and church pastors what we need to do better in caring for widows and those who are grieving in our churches. Indeed, indeed, and I'm very excited to be talking about this because it's my bread and butter. Yeah. Okay, we're going to get right uh, started right away with your wonderful, sad, <laughs> joyful at times story. <laughs> um, <laughs> so to, say it? to preface it, I've made my therapist cry several <laughs> times. <laughs> I'm not going to cry. Okay. I'm not, well, no, I'm you're, not crying. you're not crying. Okay. Um, so my name's Sonia Peacock and I grew up in a Christian home and had a bunch of siblings and I actually was abused by one of my siblings. And it was one of those things that you just kind of sweep under the rug and you kind of hope that you can just make your family whole again because no one actually knows what to do in that situation. Um, so I grew up with a strong sense of like, this happened to me and I'm so grateful that it was me and not anybody else because that was too much for me to handle as a kid. Um, and I always kind of had that attitude and the Holy Spirit presented himself to me at a very young age because I believe that I needed that in my life and God saw that and he just took care of me. So there was, I was little, I was maybe like seven or eight, everything was happening. I was having panic attacks at night. I didn't know it was happening. And I just remember one night I was laying in my bed and there was light that was coming through my window and it just looked like this giant hand over me. And I looked up and I saw that and I just started to cry and I immediately, I felt immediate re relief. And I knew in that moment that God's hand was over me, that he was protecting me, that he was my father and that even though all these things had happened and that life was so different than what I knew it was supposed to be, that I was still okay and that he How was there. I, I don't remember. I was like kid. You were seven, kid. eight, yeah. maybe. Like I was, I knew at that time and it was, it was a rough time for my family and it was just a process of no one really know how to handle it. And all that I remember is that I knew that the Lord was with, with me and I trusted that and I put my faith in it. Um, and then as, as I grew up, I tried my best to be forgiving. I tried my best to just keep going up forward and be like the, the best version of myself. So nobody had to worry about me. Um, just like kind of controlling the situation so that I didn't have to kind of like 
feel that that darkness again. So fast forward, my dream was to be a mom and to be a wife. Like I would think about that all the time. I was always like, if I was being annoying to my siblings, they'd call me mom. I'd be like, okay, like I'm not the mom. And then I started like, you're the oldest. No, I'm the second youngest (laughs) out of seven. But you were the mom. I was a mom. So this is not, not a great look. I didn't like it, but that's who I was. Well, you, you, that's not even the, the, like the center of your story. No, as far as dealing with, um, those who have lost loved ones who have suffered traumatic Mm -hmm. experiences, events, Mm -hmm. abuse. Mm -hmm. And, um, what would you, I mean, before you continue your story, what would you say? And I know there's numbers for this and statistics, but there's probably a pretty big percentage in our churches of people who have gone through similar experiences. Oh, there's a lot. So we're not talking about like a, um, a small group of people that are just, you know, men and women too. Yeah. And that's kind of why I wanted to have you on is because, you know, this is a church planting podcast, but Mm -hmm. as we're planting churches, we want to plant them in the right way with the best foundation. Mm -hmm. And I really feel like, especially in this day and age, dealing with people who have suffered traumatic experiences, loss, things like that, is probably one of the most important things we can do. True and undefiled religion before the Lord. I, I couldn't wait to bring this one out. That's the verse about um, to care for widows and, oh, and yeah. orphans. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's it. Of course. Like. So you're, you're 50%. Yeah, 50%. There you go. I'm actually doing spoilers right now because... I said that you're a widow. That's okay. Okay. It's all right. We carry on. Carry on. So my dream was to be a mom and a wife. And I had this belief that like, no matter what I did, I couldn't make that happen because of my experiences as a child. And I just knew that the Lord, that's not what was going to happen. And so at that point in my life, I was maybe like 12 or 13, I put my faith in the Lord again. And I was like, you know, if that's, if this is all I have, if you're all I have, then you're all I have. And that's, that's okay. Um, and like, I was dealing with these things that like, I was seven, I was 10, I was 13 and I was processing all this. So, um, I had met a boy when I was eight. On the playground? <laughs> Church. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. He was a missionary from South Africa. And I was just like, I was like, this guy is the guy. So I met him and he broke my little eight-year-old heart and he left and he moved to Africa, whatever. Um, and then I was 15 and I decided, you know, like, I'm going to try. I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to find a man. And I found my late husband, Daniel. I was like, I found him and I found him on Facebook and we became friends and we started dating and my parents thought it was nothing. And then before you know it, I was traveling to South Africa at 17. Was Daniel the same as the eight year old kid? Yeah. What? Yeah. He was eight when I met him. (laughs) How come I didn't know that? I don't know. I'm like, man, that's random. You met two South African kids. No, I met him. Where'd you grow up in uh, Connecticut? Connecticut. Yeah, that's right. All right. He was from, uh, (laughs) He was from Durban, South Africa, and I was from Connecticut, and we met when we were eight, and I tried to flirt, and then he made fun of me before flirting. Were you like sharing your lunch, bo- your lunch and stuff like that? No, I climbed I climbed over him in a dress in my parents' whoa, van. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, yeah. I, was, I thought you were going to say, like, <laughs> it did one of those things where it says, do you like me? 
No. Yes. I tried no. to show him that I was cool. Oh, okay. So I was like climbing over stuff. Yeah. And I had my mom's, like my mom had made me one of those like prairie dresses. Uh, I think I had that on. And I was like, watch me climb over my, my van seats. And I just climbed on over. And, yeah. and I was like, look at me. Cool. I'm cool. And he was like, you're not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but at 15, he thought I was cool. So before you know it, I, I decided to go to Africa because his visa keeps getting denied because he wasn't a citizen. And so, <clears throat> and so I flew over there by myself. I had never flown before. I was 17. I, had, I hadn't met him since I was, I think 12 was the last time I saw him. And like my parents barely knew his parents and I just went to stay with them for three months. Like, <laughs> just, cause why not? Why not, yeah. You've known him since you were eight. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, I've met him at least twice. So I went there, we got married when we were 20 um, and we were long distance dating the entire time. We were long distance married for a year and a half. And- Well, long distance married? Yep. Okay, what does that mean? Like he lived in another country while I was here and uh. I moved to Florida actually. So I lived in Connecticut and I moved to Florida when we got married because we decided to move here because it was more small business friendly than Connecticut. So we moved here. Well, I moved here. And because of his visa stuff? Yeah, because of his visa stuff. It was supposed to take three months and it took almost a year and a half. Ugh. Yeah. So, um, and the Lord provided over and over again. Like, that was a relationship that, like, why did that work? And how, like, everything that had to fall into place, it, it just did. Like, you hear it with, like, I'm sure with, like, missions all the time. And, like, his family experienced it a lot as missionaries. Where it's, like, this situation, I have no control in this situation. I have, yeah. I have nothing. Yeah, you can't do anything. It's no. in the hands of the, in that case, the government. Mm -hmm. Which... Was it the U.S. government or the South no, African? South African government, <laughs> which was very bad. <laughs> like we almost like to, for example, the South African government, we got there. Um, I got there to get married and we went to the consulate to get like the to get approved to be married, that it wasn't like Just a sham. The U.S. certificate. Yeah. yeah, we went back there four or five times. This was a week before we got married and we almost didn't get legally married. <laughs> because they just kept telling us to go away and then come back the next day. So we had to keep driving. It was wild. Like if you ever get married in another country to another, I don't know, with another, with a, someone who's not a U.S. citizen, especially Africa, Yeah, it's rough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I thought South Africa was a little bit different. It's a little bit better. But yeah. basically they weren't allowed to enter the country because they lived in Botswana and Botswana oh. government, which was right next to Zimbabwe, they would cross the border. The Botswana, Botswanian, the Botswana government was, they thought they were prejudiced against missionaries because every time they went, they would get denied and they were rude. They wouldn't actually ask questions. They would just say no when they heard about who they were. So um, that's why they actually moved to South Africa because where they were living like it wasn't they couldn't leave they couldn't go to the states they couldn't come back to raise support mm. so that's wild but, but um, you did get married we did get married yeah. and it was right. wonderful we did end up in the same place and one of the things i like to tell people is well i'll, I'll rewind we ended up in the same place and um 
everyone was asking us like when do you want to have kids when do you want to do this and we were we would always tell people like well we just want five years in the same place before we really like start that life and we had to get our feet on the ground we were only 20 so um we spend five years here together in the same place and we go through covid together like we start a business together um, we start a couple businesses together. Um, we, we plant our lives here in Florida and, um, we're around my nieces and nephews constantly. So like we get to like play with kids and I get to see him interact with children and it's just like, it fills my heart up. And then we decide like, okay, like it's time, like this is, this is time to build our family. It's five years. Um, and he just had, it was right after COVID happened, 2021, and he had a deep desire to go see his family. And he was like, I just need to Back go see South them. Africa. Yeah, I need to go to South Africa. So I just, I said, okay, well, like you can go, but it's not feasible for me to go right now. Like, you know, there's work. The tickets are $1,500. Like <clears throat> the flight's like 20 hours. Yeah. Like, it, and I have to work. And he had this little opportunity of time and he had like the desire to go. And if Dan had a desire to do something, you just got to let him do it. And it's like his heart was always in the right place. And he always had a good, good direction. And like, he was a wonderful, wonderful man. When I married Dan, I recognized that God had given me a gift and that I thought I would never have. And it was one of those things where he, he was just, he was years ahead of most people. And I think that was a gift that God gave him. And I think it was a gift that God gave me because now I'm in the situation I'm in, I can do, I can be better and I can be more because of who Dan was. Yeah. Uh, and well, God knew the, the whole story. Yeah. You didn't know the story at that point. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so oh. thank goodness God knows the whole story. Yeah, seriously. Um, so the next thing that happened was, um, so Dan had a deep desire to go back to see his parents in Africa and I let him go. And when he got there, he felt kind of sick and, um, it turned out he had leukemia. Um, so after two weeks of being there, he was diagnosed with leukemia um, on Saturday. <laughs> and on Sunday, I talked to him for the last time over FaceTime. And he, all he told me was he was tired. And then on um, Monday morning, he passed away. So, so yeah, he, um, it was a shock. And I couldn't, I wasn't there. And I was only 25. <laughs> so, like, wow. That's pretty heavy. <laughs> yeah. And you tried to get there, didn't you fly out? I did try to get there. Um, but it, it's one of those stories where, like, I wish that I had the time to sit here and, like, tell you everything that happened point by point by point. Like, but the biggest thing, I think, for one, is that I always tell people, you never know when God's answering a prayer. You never know when you're asking for something. Because the thing is, we have all these ideas of our life. Like, oh, well, I would love to get married and like, we'll buy a house and we'll have a kid. And like this, when you're planning your life, you're not planning your life. You're asking for things. Yeah. It's an ask. Yeah. And there's you're no You're not guarantee. in control. Right. So we think we have control and it's, and it's okay to have a sense of control because it's okay like mentally to be like, you know, I'm in control of what pair of overalls I put on today. I put on black ones and then I was like, you know what? I want blue. Corduroy. Yeah. 
Yeah. Put on the corduroy blue ones with yeah. the trimmed off bottom parts. Yeah, that's right. That's what. That's like what I have control over. But you know what? I could have got. I, I could have ripped my pants. Like, and I. I don't actually have control over it. But it's good to have like a sense of control. And I'm not. That's not the control that I'm talking about. Like, it's okay to ground yourself in things, um, but it's not okay to believe that you're controlling anything yeah. in your life. You can make wise choices. You can listen to the Holy Spirit. You can let God guide you. You can um, do things that are good for your mental health, but you are, if you need to give the control over to God because he's gifting you things. And that's yeah. why it's so important to understand the gift of thankfulness, like, and to teach people thankfulness and to understand that our body physically changes when we experience, when we express gratitude like mm -hmm. our like what is the chemicals that are released change yeah and are these crazy. some of the is this some of the counsel you give to other so oh. getting getting ahead of ourselves here we are you have um you minister you have a ministry yes i have a ministry to the widows widows yeah and i i have to believe that you're probably among the younger of the widows that you minister to. I am. <laughs> I, I think I think everybody is over sixty, and I, I've always, I, you know, I've always kind of run with that crowd. Like, I've always you're been an a, old soul. I am. Yeah. I am an old soul, and yeah. I don't know if that's also like God was lining me up for this because I, I, do, I am able to connect well. Yeah. But it's just different experiences. Well, you're. This all happened for a purpose in. Mm -hmm. Dan's not gone. He's he's with he's the Lord. In heaven. Yeah. So it's just a temporary. He's kind of setback. a jerk. Like he gets. Yeah, I know. Sometimes I sing breakup songs. I'm like, oh, are you a jerk. Yeah. But you know, it's not Were, his are fault. you old enough to know about emo music? Oh yeah. Okay, I was just yeah. checking. Oh yeah. Yep. All right. Don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, like what I was, you you're not at, you're not. Um, Going back to like, we asked for five years, we, we wanted five years before kids and we didn't re realize we were asking for five years. So I traveled to Africa, I talked with his doctors and without telling the doctors anything about who Dan and I were, he sat us down and one of the first things that he told us it was from the results of the test, we believe that Dan had this sitting dormant in his system for five years. Whoa. <laughs> If that doesn't tell yeah, you that the Lord's in control, yeah. I don't know what does. That was a blessing. You got five years. Yep. And um, I mean, it's and he was he was in the hospital for a couple of days. Like he had some cancer treatments. He had like some pretty intense stuff done. And like we went to go pay. And, you know, this whole time that we were married, all the um, like the visa process, his green card kept getting messed up. Like they literally would send him one in the mail and it just would never arrive and then we'd have to pay for another one to come in not his green card but his visa and then covid stopped a lot of yeah, applications so he was still after six years of being married a south african citizen and it was frustrating because it was like oh my gosh we just keep getting rejected we keep doing this and it was so difficult to go through because it's like well we just need him to be a citizen so we can do this so we can do this yeah. so we can do this yeah. um, when he had a need to go to africa i was also like well why did he go to africa why did he do this um he went to africa and um he was still an african citizen but he was making money here so that put him below 
the poverty line in South Africa. Because he's below the poverty line and all the hospitals were government-run hospitals, his total bill was $12. Nice. <laughs> yeah, so it only cost him $12 to die. Are you saying that <laughs> like, all of these things were working together for a purpose? All of them. All yeah, of them. That's a great, a great story. It just... I mean, it's not great, but it's... It is great. It is great. It's great. It's God. What God yeah. does is great. It's not a great story because Dan died and I went through the, the worst experience of my life. But in that, God provides and he gives you promises. And He's sh- and if you're looking for those promises and you're looking for those answers, he's going to show them to you. You just have to be open to look and to be grateful and to see things as an opportunity. Like... I don't like how everything went down. Mm-hmm. It's really traumatic, but <clears throat> but th- <clears throat> hold on. Drink your coffee. Okay. <laughs> 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 it was really traumatic, but at the end of the day, like it, it worked out for his glory and for my good. Yeah. So even that's if I don't like it, that's a great testimony. And I feel like that's the that's the. Um, content of the message that people need to hear who mm-hmm. are experiencing grief yep. I mean there's different I mean the timing is uh, you probably know more about this or you do know more about this than I do but there's the timing of it but that the content of that message that mm-hmm. God is in control things happen yeah. um, within his uh, grasp mm-hmm. and timing yep is that your message that you tell to your ladies? I tell them all the time, yeah. Like, it's yeah. it's up to him. And, like, when you think God isn't carrying you, I kind of picture it like I think in pictures. So, like, in my, in my head, what the Lord does is he carries you. And he has you kind of, like, in his arms. Uh, he's this giant because I'm thinking about, like, fairy tales and all, this, all the time. I'm just <laughs> like, oh, wow, look at that. So, yeah, I'm just like he is this giant and he's just carrying you in his arms. And like he's got you and he's walking the path and you're looking around seeing everything and listening to the birds and experiencing the air. But if you tense up and you feel like and you close your eyes and you feel like nothing's happening and nothing's carrying you, you're going to get tired. You're going to like all you all he requires of you is to relax. Like he's still carrying you. But yeah, the journey is going to be different. Right. You don't know that if you relax into the journey it's going to be so much better. And I yeah. think that's like, you see Christians struggling all the time. And why are they struggling? Because they're not relaxing into the situation and they're trying to control it. And maybe you're trying to be wise. Maybe you're trying to be smart. Maybe you're trying to do things. But sometimes like, I think, especially in America, we just, or just people in general, probably just people in general, we want to take charge. Yeah. And we want to control. It's yeah. all about control. Yeah. Yeah. It makes us feel comfortable. And we've learned that since we were little kids. Mm-hmm. You know, that you can do what you want. You can c- take control yep. of your life. Yep. If you can dream it, you can achieve it. Yep. All this stuff. <laughs> it's like, no, if you just, like, trust in God, like, yeah. he will do it. Uh-huh. And you're, you're pretty, he makes you capable. Like, yeah. People tell me I'm wise. They tell me I'm inspiring. But, like, I just, I look at them and I'm like, I, I, I am not. I think you're wise. But I'm not. I like it's the Holy Spirit that makes me that way. Yeah. So I am, but you've been given the gift of wisdom. Exactly. You're like a girl Solomon. Yeah. Without a thousand <laughs> husbands. 
<laughs> Are you going to get married again? I would love to get married again. Yeah, that's okay. actually been like one of the things I'm like, oh, that's an easy yes. And that's one of the things I have to let go of control of. Yeah. Because in my mind. So like, you actually have to practice what you preach. I d- oh. <laughs> yeah. It's easy hey, to preach. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. I know. Yeah. No offense. It's easy yeah, to preach. Yeah. But it is, <laughs> it is hard to walk it out. Yeah. Um, and if, like I said, like the more you conti- the more you look for God to control your life, the more He'll show you where you're holding on to control. And so recently, like, there's been situations where I've dated people and it hasn't worked out, and which is fine. Like that's part of life, but it has showed me what the hurt of the past is. What's it has showed me that the hurt from the past in my childhood is still there. And that part of me is a part that controls the part that holds on and the part that makes me exhausted. And it is, it's unhealthy patterns of behavior. And I just want, I want to be a, a healthy version of myself because I know that it not only affects me, but it affects everybody around me. Yeah. It affects my loved ones. It might like my future children, my future husband, like it, that directly will affect them. So it is my job and my responsibility to look to the Lord, say you're in control and to do my part for those around me. And that's always kind of like how I've been since I was younger. Like, so, and, and, and in that is it's, it's a great attitude and it's taken me really far in life. But the problem is I'm the sacrificial lamb and Jesus isn't (laughs) like, that's the problem. Mm -hmm. Like I am taking it on myself and I'm playing God. I can't do that. Yeah. That's good. Mm -hmm. Coming back to, cause majority of our audience is church planters or pastors who are involved in newer churches, Mm -hmm. church uh, renovations kind of thing Mm -hmm. and trying to decide what to focus on in ministry. And there's so many different, things in life you know and pastors have to decide what what we're going to do and we're saying the the care for people who are um, suffering grief going through loss traumatic experiences in the past whatever it may be needs to be a high priority it needs to be a high priority because i'm telling you every single person in the church is suffering and if you take if you have a view of like we need to help this one group or this one group or this one group you're going to get overwhelmed really quickly and you're I don't think that you can do everything that you are able to do for those people so I think you need a good base yeah that's what I was going to ask you like what can what should we do I mean I'm asking you I I think it takes like a I, I was telling you. We all need a Sonia in our churches? You need a Sonia, but you okay. need someone to support a Sonia. And then you need someone to support that person. And then you need someone to support that person. You need to create a sturdy base. And that base starts with Jesus. And, like, you build your foundation on him. And what does he tell you to do? He tells you to love others. He tells you to care for others. He tells you to let go of control. So do that. Then, I think... Um, one of the things that some of my widow friends and I talk about a lot is that the ter- the church needs a heart for it because if you feel like it's just a job that you're doing begrudging begrudgingly begrudgingly yeah Be- begrudgingly good. sounds good to me if you're doing a job begrudgingly I'm no language expert but you're not yeah you're not going to do it well yeah and if you're so focused on like your numbers and your I, yeah, yeah. your worship 
There are so many churches that are more concerned about their worship than they are the people in their church that are hurting. And that is not okay. Whoa. Yeah. I'm telling you. That's convicting. Stick one person up there and sing. That's convicting to us church leaders. Yeah. Who cares if they don't like it? Pull out the hymn books. (laughs) If that's what you can afford, pour your money into hymn books and make people sing hymns and then go help the widow. Like fix her AC. Yeah. Go have lunch with her. Spend time with her. Yeah. Spend and and him. There are widow. There are widowers. I got a lot of things to say. <laughs> I got a lot of things to say, Brian. I know you might not like forty-five minutes, but we're doing forty-five do minutes. Feel, how, do you feel strongly about this I at feel, all? Or? Oh no, 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 no. It's not me. But you need people to care about other people, and when you get a a group of people that is so overwhelmed by their own problems and their own conditions, you get people who are crippled. Like they're, they're, they're like frozen in their own stuff. And you need to find the people that are like, you need to create a healthy church and you need to get your priorities straight because it is not about the worship. Yeah. So would that be the first step is prioritizing? Yeah. Yeah. And and making sure and if you know if you don't have a heart for the widows if you don't have a heart for the people who are hurting don't pretend like you do yeah that's good that's tell hypocrisy them, yeah tell them sorry we don't have anything for you here and be honest with them yeah that's a good word because mm-hmm. I'm I mean speaking from my own perspective and I know a lot of people listening would be who are leaders of churches would say okay you've convinced us mm-hmm. you know we're we've got to put this as a priority yep. But it's intimidating because we know, I'm just speaking honestly here, yeah. we, we know, um, you know, getting people in the seats. We know yeah. how to do worship. We know how to teach the Bible. We yep. know how to do the children's ministry. We know how to do the, you know, hospitality, put the yep. coffee out and all that. We know yep. all that about church. Mm-hmm. But this is, not a, this is not a category that there's a lot of priority on in no. training even or no. in Bible colleges and things like that. Do you know um, why? Why? Because you can only understand it if it's happened. Mm. Yeah, truly, I guess. I, I, when Dan died, I recognized that it was a gift to know this. Wow. It is a, it is a gift and it is an honor that God has given me to know what it is to be widowed. Yeah. It's a gift. Do you think it's a matter of finding the people that have that gift within your church? I think it is. And I think it's a, it, like you have to, you have to recognize that there are certain people that can do can serve widows can serve orphans with a heart that had like they have a heart for that yeah and there are some people that have a heart but don't know what to do and that uncomfortableness stops people from doing anything yeah. um when i was first widowed um uh, a lot of people reached out so many people reached out like hundreds of people i didn't have the capacity for it oh. and the only people who stayed around and who have stayed consistent, who are the ones who consistently have the capacity for me, even though I'm able to give about 5%. And they don't care. They continue to give me 100%. And I tried my best to give them my 5% because my 5% is sometimes my 100%. Yeah. I'm just thinking through this just practically about yeah. getting people involved. And yeah. we always tell, I even taught it this Sunday, that the work of the apostles, prophets, pastors, mm-hmm. teachers, 
the church leadership, in other words, is to equip the saints for yep. the work of the ministry. And then you tell people, everybody has something to do. But it's like we get so limited on what those things are. Like, yep. oh, you can be an usher. <laughs> Say like, 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 okay, here's an example. Here's an example. Like my friend is, is widowed and she needs a handyman. Like there's a lot of handymen in our church, but do you know how many of the widows that I have talked to have had a handyman go, Hey, like, I know you're widowed. Like if you need something, here's my number. Yeah. And don't, and the thing, and the problem is, so this is the problem. Should we try to get, uh, I'm going to get to your, the problem here, but okay. I'm just going to, I'm thinking of this now. Should we try to get like a young, handsome, single handyman to no. give you his number? No. <laughs> okay. This is another problem. We're going to get to that. All right. This is what we're doing. <laughs> this is what we're doing. I'm just, this is real talk. This I is just... real talk because this is, that's actually another problem. So let me, hear me out. Okay. So I don't know anything all, about this. I'm not a widower. That's fine. That's good. Yeah. Good. That's, good. that's really good. Oh, Stay that you. way. Um, the first problem is like they need help. Um, so you need people to reach out and to ask if they need help. And uh, we're not great at community in America like they are in other countries. Like, yeah, that's true. We don't support each other like other people do. Like we don't know each other. We don't know what's going on. Nope. If you know what's going on, it's easy to. It's very of, easy. Get involved and stuff. And it, and and the thing is, um, when you're like when you're widowed, like so you have like okay, all these people are like, I'll help you. The first thing you have to learn as a widow is to say yes, and let me tell you that is one of the hardest things to do. Because you don't want to inconvenience people. You don't want to feel yeah. like you're a burden. You don't want to cause other people pain because the pain that you're experiencing, when you see it, other people have sympathy for you, that increases the pain. Ooh. It's very difficult. It sounds like a tough ministry. It's a very tough ministry, and that's why you need to focus on we, it. We need to support you more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just let me talk. <laughs> have you thought about going into like um, counseling and like professionally? I have my coaching degree, yeah. and I... I know you do that. I, you're great at it. I have thought about it, but I... As a career. I don't know. I, I actually went to school for psychology. Okay. Um, and I stopped because I pursued more creative things, and yeah. I don't know. Wherever the Lord takes me, where I'll go. Yeah. I could finish my degree and do that, but, you know, whatever Well, you're not... Is. I have... I need, I'm going to tell you something you may not know. You okay. are not in control of your life. God is. <sighs> Every detail of it. You. <laughs> you, know, you still need to hear that though don't you i do i was gonna say you think yeah, i know but I like know. it's good to too. hear that from other I people need to hear it. it's good so okay so that we have the first problem of okay nobody like yeah, who's nobody reaching helps. out to help the widow yeah because you don't want to overstep it's an uncomfortable no, situation we're, all, we're being polite you don't know what to say yeah you're being polite but are you being polite or are you just stepping back because you don't know what to do yeah. Um. And yeah. then there's people who will overstep, and it's like, no, get away from me. I don't need you to overstep. But uh, there, there's like they, they have like a savior thing. They want to be the yeah, the guy yeah. to come in and yeah, save everything. But save um, everything. yeah, save that's the a, Sonia. That's a problem too. But there, but then the widow, um, whether it be a man or a woman, because this applies to both. They do not want to ask for help. They don't know how to ask for help. They don't. They just don't know. And if they that don't. That can apply to, I think, a lot of situations, everybody. not just the widows. I think yes. it would be in someone who's dealing with difficult things. Yeah. I mean, 
depression is a huge thing. Yeah. It's I was that's what I was thinking of. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you've gone through it, experienced it, you don't. You it's don't like know. you don't have the gift. Yep. I'm and gonna start saying that from now on. The you don't gift. have the gift. <laughs> hey, it's a gift. Yeah. It's, an, it's an honor. You have to be a good steward. God, the Lord calls us to be a good steward. If you have suffered in one way or another as a Christian, you mm-hmm. have a gift to be able to help those. Yeah. That is in the Bible. It says, with the comfort that you have received from the Lord, yeah. show that in care <laughs> and comfort for others. Exactly. So uh, you, We should probably just follow the Bible. We probably should. Church. You probably should. Okay. And you should probably ask the Lord, like, hey, we need to... We need to provide for the widows and the orphans because the other thing is people are widowed all the time and the, we don't see it. Um, people saw me because I'm 25. I was 25. Cause you're a very unique situation, a unique situation. Yeah. So people see me and they're like, whoa, and they want to watch. It's like watching our car crash as you're driving by. Like you just want to see it. <laughs> and I'm like, cool. I'm a car crash. <laughs> like this is a fun My experience. Cut off. And Look I did, me. yeah, and I did put myself online a lot just to like express myself, and because I knew that I was like, if this is happening to me, this is happening to other people, yeah. and people don't realize. You've met other young widows, right? Oh, there's a lot. Yeah, especially suicide widows. Uh, it's a, it's a big problem. Jeez, this is a whole category that I think we we have yeah. no idea about. Yep. So, um, so you're then, doing a good work. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm really trying. <laughs> the stress on my face, can you tell? Um, that's me trying. <laughs> that's me. Uh, so for our fellow pastors out there, yes. um, prioritize. Yep. Just see the need for it. Because we're scared. We're, we don't know what to do. It's not about you. You know. If you're scared, it's not about you. Yeah. So, But we should do something. You do something. Um, and if you fumble, it's okay. Yeah. And if you're honest, that's okay. And if you say like, hey. But don't, I like what you said. Don't pretend like you have a heart for it if you don't. If you pretend, we can see through that. Yeah. Oh, and it is an awful feeling. In any category. It's not just a widow thing. It's everything. Yeah. And it's an awful feeling. And you know what? That that makes people really jaded. And you know what happens when people are jaded? They walk away. Yikes. They walk away. And it's very easy. Um, And when they walk away, they're jaded and they're hurting people along the way. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's a ripple effect. And the more you let your pride lead you, the more people you're going to hurt. Yeah. The more you are you are hurting other people. Yeah. By what you do in your church. And it's not I'm not saying you're trying to. We all we all have good intentions, but it's it you have to look at your heart when you're up there when you're leading a church you and that's one of the most important things where is your heart as a church mm-hmm. and um what are yeah. your values what are your goals what is your what is in your mission statement what is your vision <sighs> all of that stuff has to be affected by caring for people yeah. who are hurting yeah it does yeah you have to establish that before you start and oh um, yeah. are you hearing this church planters out there Establish it before you start. Yeah. And 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 talk to people. They're like, we're just trying to get enough money to figure out how we're gonna pay yeah. the bills. And I, but that like that and that's that's pretty like that's understandable. Money is a huge stress. Yeah. You know who stresses about money? Who? Widows. <laughs> Do you know who? A lot of people don't have a life insurance. I felt like I knew the answer to that uh-huh. one, but I was just uh, I just didn't get it in time. Yeah, because even if you're left with life insurance or not, like you're you're screwed. 
yeah, you're screwed. Especially, I would imagine, for those who have been with their wife or husband for so long, mm-hmm. like a longer period of time, yep. and you become dependent. Yep. Like, it's hard for me to be away from Lynn for a week, two weeks, you know? Oh, it's yeah. like, there's just something wrong with my life. Yeah. I couldn't imagine, you know, how to live with that. It's, it's, it's extreme. I experienced it, and I expressed it as extreme separation anxiety when Dan died. Mm-hmm. And... The, the more you experience that, the closer you have to get to God. You have a lot of like uh, little wisdoms in there. Oh, yeah. I've been talking. <laughs> I've, been, I've been talking for two and a half years about this. I got a lot of little things. <laughs> we can make this a two-part uh, series. Yeah, we could actually. I mean, that's No, I, I feel like there's got to be a, a platform. I mean, I'm sure you do have the, you know, places yeah. where you can serve and you can yeah. uh, use your gift. And, and the thing is, I, I, think, I, I think I am. Using the gift where it needs to be right now. So what, like, what I do is not what you'd expect me to do. Like, I, I lead a widows group, but I also feel like my friendships are extremely important, and how I connect with people is extremely important. And um, what I do with what I do with my words, I think that's I, I've never thought about that before. But I think it's like what I do with my words. It doesn't matter to me. Um, if I'm popular or if I like, it does matter to me if I'm popular, but at the end of the day, like it doesn't, you know, that's not important. I know it's not important. Yeah. I know that I will be popular cause I have a big smile yeah, and I wear cool. overalls, yeah, you have cool, but I'm really not cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, you are cool. Actually. <laughs> I'm just myself. And that's, yeah. what's, that's what's cool about that's you. Cool. Just being yourself is cool. Yeah. Kids. I can't pretend. <laughs> I have I have no ability to pretend about who I am yeah, and who yeah, I am not. Yeah, you lost that. I have, yeah. That's a gift. It is a gift. So, but okay, we got to get back to the the tears. All right. Go so ahead. Problems. Okay. Or what you do to solve these problems. So yeah. you have a good foundation. You think about it before you start starting a church. You 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 decide what are we going to do. This is going to be a priority. This is going to be a priority. Yeah. Our hearts are here. Make sure your hearts are in the right place. If they're not in the right place, get them in the right place or be honest with those who come to your okay. church. Because you can still, I mean, it's the same with love, I guess. You, yeah. you may not feel it at first, but making those decisions yeah. based on that yeah. priority. Okay. You have to choose to love someone. You so have we don't to have to feel it necessarily at first, no. but we have to prioritize it. No. That's what you're meaning. Do you know who's not hot? People in need. Like, <laughs> you're not like, wow, dang, look at those hot people at our church. Yeah, exactly. No, you well, like. Well, it's the same. I think about homeless ministry. I think yeah. about drug and alcohol rehab yeah. stuff. It's and not pretty. You think about, you know, the 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 outcast. There was someone in the Bible, I think, that ministered to outcasts and rejects of society. There, there was. Jay something. Jesus. He's a good guy. <laughs> So your answer is just be more like Jesus. Be more like Jesus. Okay. And um, like you have people that can give, ask them to give. Say, and if they're not stepping up to the plate, go to people. Say, hey, we mm. need we need this. Yeah. We need this. And when you go to the widow. Contribute toward it. Contribute. She's probably going to say no. Yeah. And it's okay. Like sometimes in inner society, it's like, oh, a no's a no. With widows, it's not exactly a no. Yeah, it's a different story. It's a different story. It's maybe a not right now. It's maybe a I don't know. That went off. Yeah. Um, it's maybe a like I don't I don't know. It's a no, but maybe it's a yes tomorrow. Yeah. So I think the follow up is really important and 
and involving people who they trust and love and feel comfortable around because as widows, you're more like a, you're very vulnerable. You're very vulnerable. You're very hurt. You don't want to talk to people. You don't like, maybe you do want to talk to people. Maybe you want to talk to people. You don't want to talk to people. You are a mess and you need help. And so you, you need people that are, have their hearts set on Jesus because at the end of the day, interacting with, with widows isn't about them. It's about the widow. Sonia, we're going to get a part two. We've got to because I feel like there's a lot more to be said. Oh, there's a lot more. But um, I just want to thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, thank you so much for being part of our church and having such a great ministry and for sharing your gift. Oh, of course. I'm always (laughs) willing to share. Sharing is caring. All right. God bless.